I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's twins. Now, our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Just call us Mr. Octobers, Derek Wetmore and Phil Mackey, with this uh, relevant baseball in October edition of the Touch 'Em All podcast. Let's just let that soak in for a second, Derek, that the regular season ended just about, I don't know, two hours ago, and here we sit recording a playoff preview roster unveil episode. Who would have thought? I know it. I spent a fair amount of time at Target Field this weekend thinking about that very point, and not to be too, you know, ham sandwich about it or anything like that, but how many... You know, from a storyteller's perspective, how many storylines you would have had? There's the Molitor drama, the sort of Snow layered in here, and what does his future look like? And all of these different questions that, as Molitor put it before today's game, eh, I haven't really had a whole lot of time to think about that. <laughs> Molitor was asked about his future, and he said, maybe if the circumstances were different, yeah. I would have spent more time wondering, like, is this the last lineup card I'm going to fill out or all that? And as it is, of course he's not thinking about that. Of course he's not thinking about his future beyond this postseason. He's thinking about Tuesday and how he can win that game. I I kept being struck by that same thought that you just brought up, Phil, that how incredible that is after last year. Now just saying like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Those storylines can wait till the offseason. <laughs> yeah, the final. so this is mostly going to be a how would you construct the wild card game roster edition, and a lot of it's going to surround – uh, Miguel Sano and his status, and you were there at Target Field all weekend, so you can give us a much more clear update on on what you saw from your vantage point and what you heard. But just for fun here, before we dive into that, the Twins, they, they won their 85th game today. We're recording this on a Sunday night. And so they finished the season 85-77, and 77, the exact same record as the 1987 Twins did when they went on and eventually won the World Series. And just some some interesting nuggets here. Brian Dozier winds up. He goes two for two today with a walk. They pulled him out of the game. Uh, he winds up with 30 doubles. He winds up with, what was it, 34 home runs, I believe. Uh, I don't have that in front of me. but And he winds up slugging almost 500 and getting on base with a 357 clip. And those numbers were not nearly as impressive at the trade deadline. Joe Maurer hits 305, so his batting average over 300 for the first time in four seasons. And Jorge Polanco with an OPS of 723 after being nearly unplayable three or four months ago. So, And Byron Buxton, we should mention, finishes the season with a 253 batting average and an OPS of 727. I don't think either of those numbers were realistic as recently as even two or three months ago. So just, just some interesting nuggets to put in there. Bartolo Colon, six and a third, one earned run today, and he finishes with a big ovation from the crowd and um, maybe a playoff start on the horizon if they get to the ALDS and if they need him to pitch in either a Game 3 or a Game 4, Derek. Yeah, it's their storylines galore. And like I said, I mean, some of them are offseason. Some of them are relevant right now, trying to figure out. Um, just a quick thing that popped into my head when you were talking about that, and we'll dive right into our rosters. Uh, Molitor was asked before the game today, Sunday, hey, would you put a name in our notebooks for Twins' most valuable player. <laughs> we, we talk about it a lot in the media. Fans talk about it a lot. Who's your pick? And, of course, he didn't 
give one guy, which I think isn't a cop-out in this case. I think it's indicative of the way the Twins have played, especially um, since the All-Star break. He said it's not just one or two guys. He said there are three or four guys that are at the very top of his list. Um, I don't know for sure who that would be, but my hunch is it'd be Dozier and Buxton and Maurer and then Rosario. I, yeah. I was wondering, it's either Rosario or Maurer, but I just know, uh, I guess Mulder has such a deep respect for both of those guys, but I think specifically Maurer draws a lot more respect from um, people within the Twins organization on the on the coaching side and certainly some in the front office, draws a lot more respect than I see him get um, on social media, which I guess is to be expected. But um, anyway, th- that the fact that you could very legitimately pick from a small handful of players and make an argument that they're the most valuable player on this Twins team, I think that's the defining characteristic of the 2017 Twins. Yeah, um, and it's, it, it, it makes it, I think it's what makes them so likable, too, is that there's just so sure. many guys to be excited about and so many guys have stepped up throughout the year and throughout the last two months to put the team on their back either for a night or for a month or for a couple weeks. And, 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 and the wins come in so many different shapes and forms compared to maybe some other teams around baseball. Uh, they can, I mean, the Twins can outslug you on any given night. They, could, they, they have two or three pitchers, especially with Kyle Gibson kind of emerging, that could be, you know, they could go uh, seven scoreless on you and strike out eight or ten. And, um, and they could do it with just like a, a ten-pitcher a ten bullpen outing, too, which happened yeah. a few days ago. Hey, who would be your MVP? We don't have to expand on it. That's probably another podcast for another day. But do you have one that stands above everybody else? I do. I, I ranked my five actually on our radio show earlier this week. And if I can remember off the top of my head, I know I had Brian Dozier number one. And, and mine kind of fall in line a little bit with the, with wins above replacement. But I wasn't going just off wins above replacement as as the measurement. It was some eye test. It was some feel. It was some you know statistics. And I would say Brian Dozier number one. I believe I had Byron Buxton number two, Joe Maurer three, Eddie Rosario four, and Irvin Santana five with mm. honorable mentions to Miguel Sano. And also, I even threw out an honorable mention to Brandon Kinsler's first sure. three or four months and the way that he held that bullpen together is really the only reliable arm and obviously a career season for him. So... um and you could, I mean, I, honestly, you could reorder those five or six players I just mentioned, and you could debate almost any of them in the number one slot, and I would have a really hard time vehemently disagreeing with you. Yeah, yeah, telling you you're an idiot, other right. than just for fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for me, it's, I, and I, I won't go too deep on this, this is another podcast, another column, but it's Byron Buxton for me. Not, I, I'm not forgetting his dreadful first couple of months. I, I brought this up with some media cohorts the other day and they sort of laughed it off i said yeah he's been really good but you can't just ignore the fact that he was terrible at the plate and i said i'm not ignoring it in fact it's a feature not a bug for me because buxton despite being that bad despite being like less than worthless offensively was still a mainstay in the twins lineup which speaks really loudly to how they value him defensively, and I think properly, I should add. I think the fact that they're looking at it and saying, all right, we'll put up with the 0 for 4 because we know he's going to turn some extra base hits into outs, and he's going to keep Kyle Gibson's ERA under 6, and he's going to keep 
you know, Hector Santiago when he stays in the ballpark and Phil Hughes when he stays in the ballpark. He's going to let those guys get deeper in games. So, fine, we'll take the we'll take it on the chin until he can learn to adjust at the plate. And then, to his credit, did learn to adjust at the plate. We know about the defense. We know about all the stolen bases. But the fact that he's become sort of an offensive star to go with that all-around game uh, is is what gives me the justification for voting for him for that. And and just the final like icing on the cake is how popular of a guy he is in a clubhouse. For him to be sputtering along so badly and for everybody in there just – you know, you'd think, Phil, like human nature would be, okay – there, this is a business, right? So, okay, my coworker, my teammate, man, just can't pull his weight at a really vital part of his job. I, nice guy, but man, I wish they'd move on from him. Go get Zach Granite. Go get, you know, move, uh, move Max Kepler to center field. Let's be done with this. It's send him back to Rochester and let's figure it out later. My understanding is that those feelings of resentment didn't like bubble up in the clubhouse and. He was still a really popular guy despite hitting what a buck ninety or whatever it was in July. Uh, that speaks to his popularity in the clubhouse. And then seeing a guy like that start clicking, start hitting. You know, he has the three homer game. He's hitting for power. He's stealing bases, extra base hits all over the place, and still uh, taking away hits on defense. I think the fact that Buxton came into his own. Uh, really sort of mirrors the Twins crescendo as a team. And, and I don't know. It's really pretty anecdotal, but I think that there's a lot to be said for his rise, his arrival as sort of a star player that uh, the Twins clubhouse really clicked with and I think turned it into a new gear after the All-Star break. Yeah, I would agree with I, I thought about putting Buxton as the MVP. I think Brian Dozer's clutch hitting in his second half sure. crazy offensive stretch once again with 20-plus yeah. home runs kind of uh, kind of put him over the top. So here's here's what we should do. I'm going to unveil my 25-man roster and lay out a couple of the conundrums that I had putting this together. Okay. And then I would say we should take time between our rosters to discuss Miguel Sano because obviously he plays a huge role in your your construct and mm-hmm. then you unveil yours. Okay. Um, and and if we do, and, and maybe at the end we go deeper into Miguel Sano. I'm going to give you my roster right now. And I went with 10 pitchers and 15 position players. I also have a roster that includes 11 pitchers and 14 position players, but based on Miguel Sano coming back and not looking amazing this weekend, but being able to at least swing a bat, here's my logic. Irvin Santana starts. My bullpen, my short relievers, I'm going to skip to them real quick. Matt Belisle, Alan Buznitz, Trevor Hildenberger, and then I'm going with Ryan Presley as the last... Uh, short burst right-hander because I think for the most part he's been pretty darn good since the middle of August. He did get a little shaky this week, but I'm looking for guys who can miss bats against that Yankees lineup. I need swings and misses as much as possible for a bullpen that hasn't gotten a whole lot relative to the rest of the league. I mean, I'm looking for every single inch in the margins, and if Ryan Presley can come in and get a swing and a miss in a big situation in the 6th or 7th or, hell, the 12th, I want him on the roster for that reason alone. I'm keeping three lefties. Okay. Taylor Rogers, Buddy Boshears, and Gabriel Moya makes my postseason roster for this one game against the Yankees. And I'm also keeping Dylan G because I trust him to go long. I trust him to come in with 
Bases clear, bases loaded. He's just a Swiss Army knife out of the bullpen, and he's been pretty good. And because Jose Barrios didn't make a full start this weekend, I think that opens the door for him to be on this roster as well. I want my best pitchers at my disposal for a do-or-die game. But I also want to prepare for potential doomsday scenarios, 20-inning games. I, th- I I don't think you should get hung up and dwell on the doomsday scenarios, but yeah. it would be dumb to not prepare for a 20-inning game for a line drive hitting Irvin Santana in the shin or him just not having it early on, whether it's injury or performance, the starting pitcher leaving the game early. I also yeah. want to prepare for, when I get to the, posi- the uh, position players, pinch running, pinch hitting, situational pitching as well, lefties, righties. I know the Yankees don't exactly have a ton of left. It's not like their lineup is loaded with seven left-handed mashers. So it, so you might not need three lefty relievers, but I also don't want Buddy Bo Shears or Taylor Rogers facing many right-handed hitters, if any. And so if I add that third lefty to the bullpen, it might save me, if I'm Paul Molitor, from leaving Buddy Bo Shears in against a righty to bridge to another lefty. Because mm-hmm. both Shears and Taylor Rogers, the difference between their performance against lefties and righties is colossal. We're talking like 300 OPS points difference in Buddy Bo Shears, lefties versus righties. And so I don't, if there's a scenario where the Yankees go every other hitter, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, and I bring Buddy Bo Shears in to face a lefty, I don't want him to have to face the righty to get to the to the next lefty or have to pull him out of the game and then only have one lefty. I, I feel comfortable with three lefties in the bullpen. So Irvin Santana, Jose Barrios, and Dylan G as my starter and long guys. Matt Belisle, Alan Buznitz, Trevor Hildenberger, Ryan Presley as my short burst righties. Taylor Rogers, Buddy Boshears, and Gabrielle Moya as my lefties. So I'm leaving off as far as pitchers. Kyle Gibson, who could come off, I think it would be three days rest for him, right? Was my math right on that? Mm-hmm. Three days rest yeah. for him. Um, but I don't know, again, I don't I don't know if I trust him, period. And I don't know if I trust him coming in in a relief role anyways. And so if Jose Barrios is well-rested, I'm just going to have Santana, Barrios, and Dylan G as my three long guys. And then Kyle Gibson, if, if you have to burn Jose Barrios in this game, then Kyle Gibson starts game one of the ALDS or he's ready for Game 2 of the ALDS, and he's on full rest. I don't trust Adalberto Mejia's command, and so I know he's a left-handed pitcher, but if I'm just looking for a situation on the lefty, I trust Gabriel Moya more, more than I trust Adalberto Mejia in that role. And as far mm-hmm. as Michael Tonkin and Tyler Duffy, I just don't trust them, period. And if it's between Ryan Presley, Michael Tonkin, and Tyler Duffy for that last right-handed short burst spot, then... I guess I'm in on Ryan Presley. Sure. You said, do you have 15 position players on your list as well? I, I wonder if we have the same guys. Uh, we did We did disagree just a tiny bit on the pitching staff, but I'll get to that when I do my roster. Sure. Um, what, you you, you kind of teased Sano, so maybe maybe let's just like sprint through your position players and talk a little bit about Sano and his possible availability and would you use him even if he is ready? There's a lot of layers to that one. Yes, uh, in just a second, because first I want to give a shout-out to one of the main sponsors of the Touch Em All podcast. In fact, uh, Luther Brookdale Toyota has been powering not only the, t- the Touch Em All podcast over the last few months, but also the Mackey and Judd show over the past several years. And right now, the most reliable service department 
and the best showroom slash uh, sales representatives that you're going to find in the Twin Cities. They're showing off the 2018 Camrys. In fact, you've probably seen some of the TV commercials. Go check out the new bells and whistles on one of the most popular durable vehicles in the world. I've been a Camry Corolla guy pretty much my whole driving life since I was 16, so half my life. And I can tell you the combination of Toyota durability and credibility and reputation, you combine that with what you get at Luther Brookdale Toyota. I mean, we're talking, it's like taking a great front office and great roster in baseball and finally adding those new facilities, the brand new workspace, the brand new stadium, and everything comes together. That's what you get at Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. We thank them for helping us keep this podcast alive. Here's what you may have missed on a recent Scoop podcast with Doogie. Twins Hall of Famer, Tori Hunter. Could you have come close to 13.85 seconds on an inside the park home run? Hell to the no. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> no chance. I mean, Buston, his speed is world class. There's not too many people in the world that probably can beat him running. Are you like a proud papa, Tori? You know, seeing him now I, succeed at the plate? Man, I'm, I'm a proud papa in many ways, man. I, just watching him. You know, and, and, you know, giving my input and my imparting to him, and I'm pretty sure he had, like, Doug McCavage, and everybody's had imparted in that young kid or giving them different things in, in different situations. But I have a lot of guys in the major leagues that I'm proud of, Matt, uh, Matt Carpenter, you know, Matt Kemp, and Trout, all these guys that I've been parted in. I am a proud big brother or a papa because Buster can't get, be my son, by the way. You can find the Scoop podcast on the 1500ESPN.com podcast page, or on iTunes, or really wherever you get your podcasts. I'm going to fly through these 15 position players, because you're right, I think we're on the same page here. I'm going to give you a little logic behind it, but uh, Jason Castro, Joe Maurer, Brian Dozier, Jorge Polanco, Eduardo Escobar, Eddie Rosario, Byron Buxton, and Max Kepler are the starting position players. Robbie Grossman is my starting DH for this game, and I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Zach Granite, Chris Jimenez, Ira Adrianza, Kenny Vargas, Mitch Garver, and Miguel Sano round out my bench. Here's my logic on Miguel Sano, Robbie Grossman, etc. Sano can swing a bat. I know... He told reporters after the game that he felt some discomfort running to first base, and that's why he didn't take his last at-bat. I don't care. I want him as a bat off the bench, a guy who could hit a home run in the ninth inning or the eighth, whenever it may be. I don't need him to run in this game. I also think he's rusty enough to where I don't trust him getting four or five at-bats, taking away from Robbie Grossman, who against right-handed pitching has been one of the Twins' better hitters this year. Robbie Grossman against right-handed pitching is a guy I want in the lineup, and Luis Severino is a right-handed pitcher who's going to start the game. So Robbie Grossman is a better hitter right now than Miguel Sano, two months of rust or a month and a half of rust in the way he looked this weekend, and so he deserves the chunk of the at-bats. But if Miguel Sano can swing a bat, period, he's worth having on the roster. Uh, My conundrum was I wasn't sure if I should go an 11th pitcher or Mitch Garver, and the more you think about it, if you look at the Twins bench, or even Robbie Grossman as the DH, 
there's at least three guys I don't want going anywhere near a glove. I don't want Kenny Vargas near a glove in that game. I don't want Miguel Sano near a glove in that game. And I don't want Robbie Grossman near a glove in that game. And so if I wind up using Kenny Vargas off the bench or Miguel Sano off the bench, I need to replace them right away. And that would be Zach Granite, Ira Adrianza, and Mitch Garver. And Chris Jimenez is probably just there for catching depth if you want to pinch run for Jason Castro or pinch hit for Jason Castro. So just with sort of the, the makeup of the, of the bench in this game, there's some guys you just don't, you're not going to put Miguel Sano in the field. You're not going to put Kenny Vargas in the field. So you have to have even more ammunition behind them so you can replace them once they've hit. So that's my uh, that's my 25-man, leaving Kyle Gibson off, leaving Adalberto Mejia off, but putting Mitch Garver and Miguel Sano on the roster, and Jose yeah. Barrios. Well, and the Sano one is far and away the most interesting dynamic on the roster because we saw Saturday's game actually was the perfect in- encapsulation of the Sano conundrum. I mean, he's back, and he's in the lineup, and it's like, okay, go time. Let's see what he's got. And in his first at-bat, gets to a 3-0 count, green light, fastball, boom, single to left field. And it's like, oh my gosh, this guy can seriously just come off the DL. Six weeks, you know, basically no rehab and certainly no, like, sim games or minor league rehab games to readjust and just get himself to a 3-0 count and smoke a ball to left field. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, how, how? But... Then we fast forward through the rest of the game. He really struggled waiting back on changeups, sliders he struggled to recognize. He swung the bat total six times in that game. The first one I mentioned, solid base hit to left. The next five were swings and misses, and mostly on secondary pitches. And if you're the Yankees and you have 10 advanced scouts at that game, or you even just look at the box score on MLB.com, you know. I'm not going to give Miguel Sano any fastballs because I trust that he could fall into a mild coma and hit a fastball. But I don't trust that he can come within six inches of hitting a slider, a nasty one that starts in the zone and bottoms out. That was something that gave Sano trouble all weekend. I asked Paul Molitor after the game today, is it just health with Sano? Like I know they, you know, they sat him and Chris Jimenez um, did his best Miguel Sano impression, pinch hit and hit a second decker. Um, to cap his season off, but it can't be just health. Like if if Sano is feeling healthy, is he really your starting DH? And Mueller said, no. To be honest, it's a little bit performance too. We're trying to weigh the value of for sure having him there. I th- I think that's done. I think the Twins have already decided, made up their minds. He's on the roster, if for no other reason than just kind of the threat of a pinch hit late in the game. Uh, that makes you, of course, you're not really scared of it if you're the Yankees because you have like 90,000 wipeout relievers that you could just throw up at any time. Yeah. But you're still thinking about it. You're still cautious of, okay, well, man, we can play matchups, but then they've got the the sort of the trump card by being able to go to Sano. That's a that's a scary matchup no matter who your reliever is. That's I mean, that's Miguel Sano. So they're going to have him on the roster. It's just, does he start that game or does he not? And based on what I saw this weekend, Phil, I don't know how you can feel good about starting him. Maybe he shook off some rust, quote-unquote, you know, for uh, a couple of days. And and, and one of his at-bats was against Romine, which I know probably irritated some Twins fans. But the Tigers don't owe you anything. Uh, Move on from that argument. Um, Oh, so I, I misspoke earlier when I said that he swung the bat 
six times. It must have been seven because he grounded out against Romine. So apologies there. But, uh, yeah, you grounded out against a, a position player throwing 84 miles an hour. That doesn't exactly imbue you with a lot of confidence uh, going forward. And, look, I'm a big Miguel Sano guy. When he's healthy, he's their best hitter. The conversation ends there. But he's not fully healthy right now. And he's six weeks of not doing anything while Robbie Grossman has still done – fairly good job of doing his thing which is getting on base i'd rather have grossman have those plate appearances sano told me yesterday he's healthy he he feels good after the game he said we'll see how it feels in the morning and i i think the expectation now is he's just going to be sore there's going to be some soreness in there but now that he's seen the specialists and sort of had some time it's it's pretty clear that the twins don't believe that he's going to make this worse by playing on it i mean if they did think that he would not be playing this would not be an experiment we wouldn't be having so much fun talking about the possibility it would just be nope season's over we're not jeopardizing it see you in fort myers so i do believe that he's healthy enough to give it a go but based on what i saw against bad tigers pitching change-ups and sliders are still giving him a huge problem how is that going to be any better against luis severino how is it going to be, you know, if the Yankees turn to their bullpen early like they sure could do on Tuesday? You're going to feel confident throwing him up there against David Robertson? You're going to feel confident throwing him up against Chad Green or, I mean, even Araldus Chapman? I think that there is something to be said for the fear factor of having him get one late game at bat. And yes, I'd rather have him at the plate than like Jason Castro. But. If I have to choose between four Robbie Grossman at-bats or five Robbie Grossman at-bats and Miguel Sano up there just hoping that he gets a fastball maybe or hoping that he can adjust to change-ups and sliders in short order, man, I know the temptation is there to roll Sano out, but I just would not feel good about putting him in the starting lineup. Yeah, so I'm, I agree. I'm in lockstep with you. You put Grossman as your DH before I even said anything. I think for sure that's the way you go if you're the Twins. But you keep Sano there. Maybe he pinch hits in the game. And then division series, who knows? Maybe maybe he's gotten uh, some of that rust knocked off in pretty short order, which I would not put past Sano by any means. It's just the runway that he's working with, a couple of days, you know, one at-bat Friday, plays a game Saturday, most of a game Sunday. I'm not ready to say go get him in Yankee Stadium. I'm I'm definitely going to hold him back for that wild card game. Yeah, for sure. I I have actually have a list in defense I feel like there's a lot of in defense of Robbie Grossman on this podcast going back the last couple seasons. <laughs> in fact, I think we should just change the name of the podcast to in that. In defense of Robbie Grossman. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah I I agree. But I have a list of the Twins left-handed batters even and that includes switch hitters against right-handed pitching. And Robbie Grossman is second among that collection in on-base percentage behind yeah. Joe Maurer, obviously Joe Maurer. Uh, so, you know, he's Robbie Grossman has, I think, a better chance to just reach base and keep the chains moving a time or two in his four regulation at-bats on Tuesday night than Miguel Sano does. And a week ago, if you would have even just said, hey, there's a pretty good chance that Miguel Sano is going to be on the roster. He's not going to start. He's not going to be ready to DH and run bases, but he's going to be a weapon potentially off the bench late in that game. Would you sign up for it? I think all of us would have said yes. And so if if the conversation now is, well, yeah, but maybe there's a chance he could be the DH, and now we have to settle for him just coming off the bench, I think you take it. I think you sure. just take it, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's more than most people thought uh, they were going to get Again, going into the weekend. 
Yeah, we all wrote them off, and I think that that's what the the signs all behind the scenes were. And now, lo and behold, he's back. Um, I it's one of those situations though. This is I'm not going to make an NFL comparison, but like suddenly there's this buzz in the air, and oh, remember Miguel Sano, and he can help us. And what I would just caution people who are probably screaming at their podcast set right now. Do people listen to podcasts on sets? I don't know how. Yeah, what works. does a podcast set look like? Uh, I'm just gonna say like their their radio. Like I'm picturing people circling around after dinner in the 1950s, like sitting in front of the big, you know, uh, cabinet height radio just for their listening to touch them all. Yeah, so you listen to the Touch Them All podcast with Derek Gatmo and Phil Mackey. We're talking about the Twins. Those good old boys went six months and kept the, in the playoff race. Going to the Bronx, going to try to knock off the evil empire. I picture that. I mean, yeah, you still you download it to your smartphone, but then you get the whole family collected around maybe the dinner table, and there's like a quiet hush as we discuss Miguel Sano's prospects of of returning. Actually, um, if that, if that's how you do consume the Touch 'Em All podcast, if you do gather around the kitchen table, around your smartphone with your family and your pets and your dinner, we'd love for you to take a picture of that and just tweet it at Derek Wetmore yes. and at Phil Mackey. I would love really that. appreciate yes. that. Um, I think there's a non-zero amount of families out there who do that, so shouts to them. Um, but what I was going to say is that what I'd caution the people who are really, really like passionately upset at me right now for suggesting it's got to be Robbie Grossman and you can't feel good about going to Sano, it's that this is not the Miguel Sano you know. This is a portion of Miguel Sano. This is early spring training Miguel Sano as he – works to adjust to hard sliders as the pitchers are all ahead of him. I've seen that, Miguel Sano. It's still threatening. It's still menacing. And every once in a while, he's going to hit a ball 525 feet. But so much more often, I think, this is just my perception, so much more often you're not going to like the outcome of an at-bat when Yankees relievers and one of the best pitchers in baseball this year, Luis Severino, is in postseason form, ready to exploit any possible weakness. I just, I saw the way that after his first at bat, he gets a fastball. The Tigers were basically like, "Nah, not going to do that again." Well, Romine, you can throw him a fastball, but everybody else, no more of that. <laughs> no point in giving this guy the only pitch that he can feel confident handling right now. So, I, I get it. I understand the temptation. You want to know the game-changing power and all that. He's your best hitter when he's healthy. Keep in mind, this is not the Miguel Sano that we got used to over the year. This is Miguel Sano trying to get his legs back under him on the fly and then going in and playing the biggest game of his professional life. Yeah, yeah, I think that's well said. And just the chance that he would come in late, I think you can put him in a spot, maybe even a spot where, where the pitcher on the mound is forced to throw more fastballs. Like if you bring him yes. in with the bases loaded or something – or if you bring him in and the hitter behind him is Brian Dozier because because you're pinch hitting for Jason Castro, you know whatever the scenario may be, you could pick a spot. Maybe and I don't know if this would ever happen if he faced a lefty. I I highly doubt the Yankees would let him face a lefty if it came to that in the bullpen. But you could maybe pick that one spot and 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 leverage the situation in his favor. So well, how about tie game? Byron Buxton on first base. You want to get breaking balls and off-speed stuff so Buxton can steal second and third and put himself right there in scoring position. Or maybe, and this is going to go over your head because you've never seen the movie Major League, but maybe hobbled Miguel Sano shockingly drops down a bunt like Jake Taylor and beats it out while Byron Buxton comes screaming around third base. 
You'll have to go watch that movie maybe on your flight to New York. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if I – yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. Uh, the comparison, obviously, that's super easy is Kirk Gibson, right, comes back and uh, sort of not 100% healthy facing the best closer that baseball had known to that point and hits a home run and Dodger history is forever changed. Like, I think that it's a fun thing to think about, and it's – awesome theater and it's great for me right as a storyteller i'm doing podcasts i'm doing columns i'm doing your daily miguel sano update on my facebook page like <laughs> there's just a lot to talk about and it's fun because now it's postseason baseball um but man when i'm str- when i'm trying to stay rooted in reality it's it's really hard for me to make a convincing argument that Sano's your best bet there for four plate appearances on Tuesday. So here's a question. Here's what I'm going to ponder. If Miguel Sano does come through with the modern Kirk Gibson moment, as you kind of alluded to, and he's too hobbled to make a quick route around the bases, will Jeff Smith look to suspend him for taking too long on his trot? <laughs> That's a really deep cut there from <laughs> Twins history. I mean, I'm sure there are some families sitting around the dinner table that understand that reference. Uh, I tip my cap to you for that. Um, you you got to go through your roster. I will pick minor, minor nits with it, and I'll just give you a little background on what the Twins are going to do here this weekend. Yeah, you got to get your pitchers, too. I don't think you've given your pitchers yet. Nope, nope. So we can uh, run through that and get out of here, and we'll save the next podcast probably for uh, after we know the outcome of the wild card game. I'm guessing. Yeah, there's a chance we might still fire one off in sure. uh, in the two days leading up, but I know you're going to be traveling to New York, and uh, we'll we'll just have to see. We'll see. Yeah. Hey, why don't you plug your call-in show quickly before as I pull my roster? That's here. right. We're di- and, and I think we're going to put this on the Touch Em All podcast feed too. But oh, we have but to. We're, we're bringing back the old Twins Wrap post-game call-in show on fifteen hundred ESPN right when the game is over. When, when we used to have the Twins rights as a radio station, the guys at Channel Five, so Doogie, Chris Long, and Joe Schmidt would take turns after each game, and they would host a post-game call-in show and just give their opinions on what happened. That was when the Twins were really good in 2010. So Doogie and I are going to bring that back after the American League wildcard game between the Twins and the Yankees on 1500 ESPN and 1500ESPN.com. And uh, my guess is you and I are going to fire off a late-night touch-em-all podcast somewhere in there or maybe the next day. I I don't know what our content plan looks like exactly, but it's going to be multidimensional and it's going to be all over Facebook all over uh, 1500ESPN.com. So just trust us. Follow us and trust us. Yeah, blind trust is the best kind of trust. Um, so on the pitching position player split, uh, the Twins are, I'm told, going with 10 pitchers and 15 position players. There was sort of this consideration for 11 pitchers, but from what I'm hearing recently, Sano changes that math, and you're going to swap out a pitcher for the ability to have Sano on the roster. And I, I think that's a smart thing to do. So I've amended my roster to have those 10 pitchers and 15 position players, and our position players are exactly the same. We didn't change anything up. The only thing that you could maybe flip, and, and I'm not advocating for this, but if you want somebody with just like super utility ultra positional flexibility just to give yourself the best pinch hit pinch run lift for defense anything like that nico goodrum but like if we're gonna pick hairs or pick nits on uh, split hairs i guess is the phrase on nico goodrum being on or off the roster like we're getting pretty deep into the 25 man weeds 
Um, instead, I would focus on the 15 position players you mentioned. It gives you some bats to pinch hit for guys you'd want to pinch hit for. It gives you defensive replacements for those people if you need them. It gives you a speed guy in Zach Granite. A couple guys who can play defense. So I think you nailed it on the position player side. On the pitchers, I would just fight you on Gabriel Moya. That oh, I forgot to give you this little bit of background. They're going to take thirty players to New York, Phil. Yeah. But then on Tuesday morning, they have to announce their twenty-five man. I think. But they can have thirty in uniform, I believe. Yeah, and the way Molitor described it today is that those yeah those thirty guys can be in the dugout and everything. It's just you know you're not going to be in the game. So um, some guys will hang back. They will do some workout at Target Field, uh, whether it's Monday, Tuesday, or both, and just. Hey, stay ready. We made it this far, and if we need you for the division series, I need to be able to tap you on the shoulder. And I, my guess would be like Kyle Gibson will be one of those guys. Maybe Bartolo Colon after his start Sunday. Um, guys like that will, I'm guessing, hang back rather than go on the trip. Um, Moya is interesting to me because in my original roster, I did have Adalberto Mejia as sort of like the third emergency lefty out of the bullpen. But then I just... I can't bring myself to do it because I don't trust that he's going to throw a strike in the 11th inning against uh, lefty that I I need him to get out. Uh, so Mejia's off for me. Kyle Gibson's off. Possible game one ALDS starter. Um, but then I kept thinking, too, Moy would be the logical choice for that third lefty behind Taylor Rogers and Buddy Bo Shears. I'm just thinking to myself, man, if it gets to that, and I'm in the 12th inning at Yankee Stadium, and I need a matchup reliever. How good do you feel about Gabriel Moya, who spent most of the year in Double A, and granted has had some, you know, minor success pitching out of the Twins bullpen in very low leverage situations this year? But boy, I just don't know if I'd feel really good about that, or if I'd rather just say, "Hey, Dylan G, I guess it's your time to shine, bud. Why don't you give us, go out, give us three, four innings if you can." And we'll just see how far we can get before one of our guys runs into a fastball and hits a home run here at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, if, I, I, if, you get, if you get, go ahead. I, I get, I get what you're saying, but you could play the "How good do you feel about blank" game with almost everyone outside of Irvin Santana and come up with a reason to feel sick to your stomach with pretty well, much anyone you're putting out on the mound at Yankee Stadium. Well, I so, don't know. I actually feel pretty good about Trevor Hildenberger in that situation. And I'll even say this, too. I went from thinking, I mean, Braille's pitched in relief of Gibson's start. I think it was Friday, if I'm not mistaken, with the idea that, all right, he could be ready in an emergency uh, in the wildcard game. I went from thinking it's a long shot, it's a possibility, he maybe would get into that game, to thinking that it's like kind of a toss of a coin to see Jose Barrios as the next pitcher out of the bullpen for the Twins. And I'd feel pretty good about Santana. I'd feel pretty good about Barrios. I'd feel pretty good about Hildenberger. And that's probably where the list ends. You can feel okay about guys like Matt Belisle and, and Taylor Rogers and even Alan Buznitz. But um, I, I get you. I'm being a little uh, paranoid, but uh, you know, Gabriel Moya, to me – would only be there because he's left-handed, yeah. and there's a certain amount of yeah. And I know that's your whole argument. And there's a certain amount of these are the four or five pitchers I want to get it done with, especially if it's only a nine-inning game. If it's extra innings, you know your plan goes out the window. You've just got to free freelance, figure something out, and get through it. I think that I'd rather go here. Here's my ten pitchers, and I think this uh, 
either one of ours might be correct, but I do think it's going to be 10 pitchers. So you've got Irvin Santana and Boreas as your starters. Um, whether that's a piggyback situation, Santana gets you know sick or something like that early, or Santana gives you five innings three times through the order, and then you decide, all right, it's Boreas' time until we can get to Hildenberger or Belial or something like that. Um, and then your relievers are Belial, Hildenberger, Busnitz, Rogers, another lefty with Boshears, your guy Ryan Presley, Dylan G, and then I know it's not been great recently, but Tyler Duffy. That's sort of yeah. where we split. Is I'm taking Tyler Duffy over Gabrielle Moya, just hoping that all right, let's get a fastball over and <laughs> get a couple swing and miss curveballs. It's it's not pretty when you get to the tenth pitcher in Yankee Stadium and must game or your season's over. But that's uh, that's who I'm going to bat with if I'm the Twins. Yeah, I mean, if uh, the fact that we're debating Tyler Duffy or Gabrielle Moya, if you're having that actual debate, if if like that's if that's what's happening in the sixth or fifth inning or whatever it may be, I don't know. Whenever yeah. then, I, my guess is the game is out of hand. So yeah, it's <laughs> or it's going the way or it's the fifteenth inning, and I would rather just bring Chris Jimenez in to pitch at that point. Yeah, so I'm on the record as saying I think the Twins could win this game, but it's funny that on similarly themed podcasts in New York today, Phil, they're debating whether Luis Severino should pitch seven or eight scoreless innings, and then or or get pulled after two or three innings to save him for game one of the division series yeah. and just go with seven lights-out relievers back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back to Araldis Chapman, shut her down, say, thanks for playing, Twins, and we'll see you next year. Here's my official prediction. The Twins will use neither Gabriel Moya nor <laughs> Tyler Duffy, and they will beat the Yankees with those right. guys cheering from the dugout. Okay, well, fantastic. I, I, I look forward to updating that prediction when we figure it out on Tuesday. Um, it's fun when you can dive into a roster conversation like this that, honestly, if we were talking about last year, I think that even the family sitting politely and attentively around the dinner table, yeah, they probably would have turned off the podcast a while ago. <laughs> 